the welcome stop point. Especially if you're new here, you should know you're always welcome here. You can just come as you are. How many of you guys are hanging out today with your friends watching the Super Bowl? Okay. Alright. I guess uh, I guess it's a lion's Oh, there's a man here. Oh, um, I'm from Canada, so I'm moving to the beach. You know, so it's going to be a good day. How many of you guys have ever had this happen to you before? You're hanging out with some friends. Maybe you invite a couple over to your house. You're having a good time. And then they pull one of these. They're looking at their, at their time, you know, like a dozen times. And then they say, yeah, we probably can't stay for too much longer. We've got to get some data. I hate when that happens. Who's with me on that? I hate I can hang out until my eyelids shut against my will. I can hang out until 2 o'clock in the morning. I love hanging out with people. And I hate, hate, hate when it has to be cut short. And I get it. Sometimes hanging out kind of has to be cut short. And I have to do that to my friends sometimes because I have little kids. And I absolutely hate it. Today we are talking about this concept of abiding with Christ. Getting close to Jesus. And that's, that's different than going to a friend's house and having to leave. Abiding means you're staying. Right? You live there. That's your house. That's your abode. Right? So that's what we're talking about today. This, this relationship is a friendship relationship that God calls it to, but it's deeper and closer than any other friendship you have on earth. So we're picking up from last week in uh, John chapter 15. So if you missed that message, go catch up online. Chapter 15. Some people, Jesus, some people think that Jesus and the disciples are still in the upper room at this point. And some believe that they have to be done walking into the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, where they're going to end up in chapter, uh, chapter 17. And Jesus is giving an illustration of vines and branches. And it's a common understanding that they have. And the vine uh, reference is nothing new. They understood it, it represented Israel, God's chosen people, uh, the holy nation, right? And in order to produce fruit, you have to keep the branches have to be connected to the vine. You have to prune it and take care of it and make sure that no, if a branch is broken or bent too far, what happens? It withers. It dies. They understood this. And Jesus takes this common illustration and he interprets it in a way that they had never been told before. Everything that they had learned up to this point was not this illustration. What he said, what Jesus said to us, the true vine is not Israel anymore. I know that's what you've been taught, but the true vine is actually me, Jesus. And he says this right away in verse 4, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide and this is such a great illustration for us today because the very covenant that Jesus is trying to explain to them, that he's about to start a new covenant with them, is the covenant we live in today. And there's never going to be any other covenant after this point. It's so good for us because some people even think today, they think to themselves, 
you know, I'm not going to listen to what God has to say to me. I want to do my own thing. Maybe you think to yourself, well, as long as, you know, I'm going to do my own thing, but as long as I have enough history to outweigh the bad truth. Or maybe you think to yourself, I don't even care if all I want is bad truth. At least I have my own truth, I got my own truth, and I did it my own way. I don't, I don't listen to what God has to say. And the truth is, is that you cannot bear fruit. You cannot bear fruit unless you're connected to the body, the true body. If you bear example up to this point where your fruit or that fruit. And Jesus comes on the scene and says, no, no, no. It's no longer good fruit or that fruit. It's fruit or no fruit. That is the question. Right? To be or not to be. If Jesus in this new covenant he is the only way. There's only one tree now, and we are the branches. So what did it look like before Jesus came on the scene and said, look, I'm the true vine? What illustrations did we have? Well, maybe you know, Abraham became the father of the nation of Israel. By faith, Abraham left everything that he had and everything that he knew to follow God. And some believe and even taught that Abraham's faith and his work was good enough for everybody in Israel. As long as you were a Jew, you couldn't be condemned. And nothing could be further from the truth. John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, came on the scene and he, he warned all the Jews about this. He says this in Matthew 3 9 through 10. And do not presume to say to yourself, We have Abraham as our father, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children. For Abraham, even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And many believe that Abraham is their father when he's really not. That God's salvation was only for the Jews. But in John the Baptist, he makes a powerful point. But just because you were born of a Jewish mother, what does it make you, what does it make Abraham your father spiritually? You, you don't get to claim the faith of your father or your mother and claim it as your own. No. God can raise up these rocks if you want to, as children of Abraham if you want it. Not, it's not that way anymore. Paul, a later disciple of Jesus, said it like this in Romans 4 13. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. So Abraham, by faith, left everything to follow God. And it's by this faith in, in that same God, God of Abraham, that you become children of Abraham. Not by birth, not by adhering to a list of rules or specific laws. Well, it's happened for hundreds of years the leaders of Israel and the people of Israel had been trusting more and more in their own laws, their own understanding, and their own ethnicity instead of God. And this is so important because they were devout. They were following the law as, as closely as they thought that they should, and even in the midst of persecution, they were occupied by Assyrians, Babylonians, Greeks, and now the Romans. And they had suffered a lot. 
But God did something that was really amazing. He took Abraham and he gave him a taste of this fruit of this life that was going to be presented, heaven that was going to be presented by Jesus. He gave him a taste of that. And Abraham, if you believe everything that you know and everything that you have can follow me to all your faith and completely surrender to me, I will make you father of many nations. And so Abraham got to get this taste of of the covenant that we're living in today. By faith, Abraham trusted God and left everything. John the Baptist was warning them that this act was coming. The time of good fruit or bad fruit is coming to an end. The time of fruit or no fruit was about to begin with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. You cannot produce fruit by good works alone. Many of the Jews, they couldn't grasp this, and ultimately, they did not put their faith in Jesus. And they were being warned, if you don't, if you don't put your faith in Jesus, then you will be cut off from the body, and you will be spiritually dead in your, in your sin. Not the sin of lawlessness, but the sin of faithlessness. Jesus begins to describe the benefits of abiding in the true vine. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. You might kids have everything that they need. Everything that they need. Of course, they don't think that. There's a lot of things that I have to tell them. Would you want that if you don't need that? Right? But everything that they need is discovered. They have a roof over their head. They have food. They have clothes. That's really what they need physically. Here's the part that as much as I would like to, I cannot give them what they need spiritually. If I could, I absolutely would. If I could, if I could force them to stay close to Jesus for the rest of their life, I absolutely would. But I can't. I wish it was that Jesus was just giving them a list of rules to follow, but it's not. And we all know kids don't follow a list of rules that well anyway. And if we're honest, the adults wouldn't do that either so well. But we're told that the benefit outweighs the temptation. Right? The temptation for us is natural. We want to be in control. Look at the Pharisees. They added rules upon rules upon rules. They wanted to be in control and have the upper hand uh, of what is right and wrong. The benefit of faith in Jesus is that you have everything that you need, not just spiritually, but physically. We're told that if we abide in Christ, if we seek for the kingdom and his righteousness, that all these things will be added unto us. The clothing that we need, the food and the shelter that we need, all our needs will be met. We're told that if we lean not on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge him, he will make our paths straight. And not just physically, but spiritually, he takes care of everything that we need. Because what happens is he comes and he abides in you. He lives in you. And you don't have to lack anything spiritually. You can have everything that you need. The Spirit living inside you. You can have the fruit of the Spirit. You're not lacking anything. You have that joy. Even in, in the midst of pain, suffering, and hardship. Even in the moment where you're like, I have nothing. I have nothing to my name. But somehow, you have everything that you need still. You're alive. You still have blessing to us. And you can find that joy and that strength that comes in the presence 
any opportunity to bear fruit for His Word to grow in my heart. I talk to plenty of people that say that they love Jesus, and then when I ask them to read the Bible, it's like crickets, man. And it's like, dude, do not understand. That's how you water. That's how you water. If a plant or a tree doesn't get water or sunlight in me, what happens? Not only does it not grow, but it actually becomes dry, and it eventually will die. And when you, when you do not have the Word of God abiding in you, you're not seeking Him through His Word, that's what happens. Have you ever felt spiritually dry before? And you've ever asked the question, like, God, where are you? I just don't feel, I just don't feel close to God. I just don't hear Him. He doesn't talk to me anymore. Look, I have felt spiritually dry before, many times. And it's not God's fault. It's, it's mine. He gives us this promise. In, in the book of James, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. That's a sad thing. That is a Alright, so, alright. So look, one major clue that God's word doesn't abide is someone is obedient. Obedient. Now look, none of us are without sin. We're, we all disobey at times, but when you abide in Christ and He abides in you, we want Him to clean. When you sin, you don't do what Adam and Eve did and go high. Right? You actually want to be in the light. And you want Him to clean you. You want Him to, you want to deal with that. Right? You, you get close to Jesus and you stay close to Jesus and you allow Him to point out those areas in your life and you allow Him to deal with it. And you allow His Word to grow in your heart. He says it like this in verse 9 to 10. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. If you repeat his new commandments to them, love others as I have loved you. That's what a disciple of Jesus looks like. That's the kind of fruit that this vine produces. You will not get this from being a Jew. You will not get this from being a good person or being the smartest person. There is only one way that you can produce fruit. And there is only one kind of fruit. An apple tree does not produce oranges. Jesus, the vine, produces love. He is love. And that's why he tells his disciples, the world will know that you are my disciples by your love. By your fruit. He goes a step further and he says, Look, if, if you're connected to the vine and you're being obedient to me, you're going to obey all my commandments. Not out of duty, but out of relationship, friendship. That's what I said in verse 14 to 15. You are my friends. If you do what I command you, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. If it was a dictatorship, then Jesus would be our boss. And he would expect strict, strict adherence and obedience out of duty and out of fear of being punished. He would likely withhold information from us, because information is power. We would be on a need-to-know basis. But no, he says... Everything for all that I have heard 
from my Father, I have made known to you. You are my friends. I want you to know what the Master is doing. I want it to be so close that I'm abiding in you, and you would say, it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me to will and to do His good work. Kind of like an extension um, of Christ that we would be His hands and His feet in the world. Kind of like on a bond. Let's say this again altogether. This is a big idea. Stay closely connected to Jesus more than anything else. If Jesus is divine and the fruit of this vine is love, what do you think the world is going to think of you? What do you think the world is going to think about you? Most most people in this world are actually dead branches that are looking for love in all the wrong places. Most people don't even know truly what love is. Do you know, they don't know the opposite of godliness is worldliness. The opposite of love is hate. If you're hating your heart, you can't love cannot grow there. When the world sees you finding joy in the midst of pain, suffering, and hardship, you're not going to understand it because you're not of this world. Most people in this world say, well, with me, they, they, they think that they're the only ones going through pain. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know. You have no idea what I've been through. That's worldly thinking. Everybody goes through stuff. Everybody goes through pain. So you're not going to understand when you're finding joy. Even in the midst of nothing, you could literally have nothing to your name. And you could be completely broken and still finding joy. And what are they going to do? They're not going to understand it. And they're going to hate you. Why? Because most people would rather be a tree with no fruit than be a branch in somebody else's tree. If the world hates you, they say to If the world hates you, Know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Nobody, nobody likes to see you guilty. The religious leaders love to feel uh, superior, more of have the upper hand when it comes to right and wrong. Jesus knows that he's going to be hated and ultimately that he's going to be killed. And rejected, even though he is the superior one. So, why does love require so much humility? Why does Jesus have to subject himself to so much hate? Because this, if I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. Romans 8, 3 through 4. For God has done what the law, looking by the flesh, could not do by sending his own Son in the likeness of sin to flesh. And for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Jesus condemned sin, put to death sin. Fulfill the law, meaning that past, present, future, all sin. Is covered. He died for it. For those who are attached 
to the vine and walk according to the Spirit are free from the power of sin. We're not in that condition anymore. You become a new creation in Christ. And you become a branch. And you're connected to the vine. And the vine gives you life. Stop trying to do everything on your own. Stop trying to redefine or change Jesus. Be okay with disciples to Jesus. I don't need to, I don't need to tend to conform to my idea of what you should be. Be okay with whoever Jesus is. I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with him seeing everything, being vulnerable, and him seeing every deepest, darkest area of my life for him to prune my branches, to, to get rid of the weeds in my life. Be okay with that. Be okay with being in the light. Stay close to Jesus. Let him prune you. Let him get rid of those, those weeds that try to creep into your life. Always repent. Agree to this. Commit to this. I'm going to always repent because I know the best part of worship. I know I'm never going to be perfect. I know I'm never going to live up to that standard. I'm always going to miss the mark. But I'm going to commit. I'm, God told me to give him a promise that if I always repent, he will always, always forgive me and cleanse me from all my You have to stay close to Jesus for that. You have to stay close to Jesus for that. So commit. I'm, I'm going to always repent. I have a promise. He's going to always forgive me. He's going to always come to make them all unrighteousness. Don't let anyone or anything pull you away from the vine. There's some information on the screen. You, you have an opportunity. You can, you, you know, a lot of opportunities for you today. So if you can text your name, you can email. Um, you can come to the front with some of my friends during, during worship at the end of service. And they're going to be up here after service as well. If you need somebody to play with or talk to. And figure out what your next step is. That's a good goal to have today. Maybe your next step is just, I'm going to come next week. Maybe that's it for you. And that's great. Next week, we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. Jumping into the next chapter. And that's going to be great. So come here and invite somebody with you. Um, I want to take the, the last couple of minutes here and uh, remind you that during this series, we are highlighting missions and we're celebrating um, the, the missions that we support here. And we group them into three major categories. First, church planting. So that is starting new churches. And um, we celebrate last week Impact Canada. And we announced uh, at South Point we're, we're starting our own um, church plant in 2028. Um, compassion Outreach. Uh, that's what we're going to look at today. And next week, we will highlight global evangelism, which basically is like all other forms of reaching people um, by sending out uh, ministers and missions and those kind of things. And so today, we're going to show you uh, the missions of Hive and Go Impact 360. Both of these are love and action. We are meeting the needs. Um, the immediate needs of, uh, of people will open the door to eternal needs. So, um, first one is IDE, International Disaster Emergency Services, which exists to meet the physical needs of suffering people throughout the world in the name of Christ. So, check out these uh, next couple of videos.
into a church. It has a great position being very accessible for the community. Please pray for us to find funding to complete the building. Thank you for your partnership and thank you for your involvement. Hi everyone, my name is Lori Arbato and I serve in uh, Petal Church in Giorgio. Together with the Co-Impact and uh, your uh, church, we are uh, partnering from uh, several years already and uh, especially because of your financial support, we were able to develop a program where we are running different projects. We are uh, focused on uh, families in needs and uh, we deliver uh, food every month. We have about 12 families that we help and uh, this is a wonderful thing because uh, besides food, we can uh, see them, we can talk to them, and uh, they are very uh, pleased because uh, they see that we are care for them, and this is something that uh, we want to do as uh, believers. Most of them are uh, older people, or uh, they are suffering of a different illness, so it's so good to stay there for a while and just uh, talk to them and, uh, and listen to them. Also, as I said, uh, we, want, we care about education as well, and uh, we encourage and we support kids to not uh, drop out of school. And um, we buy school supplies or clothes or shoes, so uh, they're encouraged uh, to go to school and to learn well. Also, we have younger, young people that uh, want to continue their education, and they go to college. And we have several students that uh, are helped for these projects. We want to thank you in the name of uh, all these uh, beneficiaries and uh, may God bless you and uh, reward you for uh, your wonderful faithfulness. So, more than encouragement, this is a challenge for us to invest in these missions uh, over the next a week, actually a week from today, you can start um, donating. And uh, I just want you to pray about what that looks like for you. Every prayer and every dollar um, goes to help. And so um, ask yourself, ask God, what, what can I do? Um, I love, obviously, to see us break another record. Actually, we broke a record with uh, over $80,000 given. And so, man, I'd be so cool to break that record again. And what's really neat is, is just from one week of giving, we're able to um, we're able to spread that out over an entire year to help all of these mission efforts. And so, I'm going to pray about that. Uh, I encourage you and challenge you to pray about that as well. Want to uh, pray for you, and then and then we will continue uh, continue on um, for the week today. Uh, if you are a believer, then um, if you, you get this concept of abiding in Christ, and that it's not just right now in this moment, it's tomorrow, it's the next day, it's every day that you are communing with Jesus, and that there's nothing standing uh, or hindering your relationship with Him, hindering your worship with Him. And so we're encouraged uh, to take communion, to, to, uh, to remember Jesus' sacrifice. Um, and, and what that means for us. If you are not a believer, you don't have to participate in this. And actually, you would not to in Scripture um, until you make that decision. And so, if you, if you are not a Christian, I encourage you to think about um, Jesus' sacrifice, his death, burial, and resurrection, and what that means for you. And what does that mean to abide in Christ? And what would that look like if I allowed him to uh, abide in you and do the word to abide? So let's go ahead and pray and, and take communion. Um, 
Daddy, love you for the reason that we are here this morning.